All right. Welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate and Investing. Today, we have a special guest and a legend, Andrea Garcia. She is an expert in affordable housing. She has been working in the industry for over five years, and she's a managing member equity partner for over 1,700 units. Mind-blowing. And she has a specialty in underwriting. Uh, she's very familiar with the due diligence and all the acquisition steps. Um, her she has been responsible and helped out on refinancing over half a billion in assets under management. And just this year alone, they have sold over half a billion. So I, I feel so fortunate to welcome Andrea to the show today. Andrea, welcome. How are you doing today? Excited to be here. Thank hey. you for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. And, I, you know, I grew up in affordable housing and it's just so amazing to meet someone with such a great heart like yourself that's so dedicated to to this amazing work and that's so important especially in the current environment that we're in today so let's just kind of get things started tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get started in real estate investing um well i just want to start off by saying thanks for having me on here kent i mean it's amazing the fact that you're able to host this podcast for so many people who want to learn about affordable housing and how they can be part of it or maybe how they can you know create more housing opportunities for the people that they know that don't make enough money in today's environment. Mm -hmm. You know, inflation is rising. The Fed just increased our 75 basis points. So we're trying to figure out a way in which we can manage this current environment. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing when you see your family going through that. My family has also lived in affordable housing, just like yours. And you think mm -hmm. it's a godsend at, at that point that you guys can be able to, um, have 30% of your income go to the housing and the rest of it, you have to see how you can manage from there. The average American home usually doesn't make past 30,000 a year. Right now in these days, your dollar is worth a lot less than what it was even a few months ago. And fear plays a major role in our lives and how we choose to access, you know, we, how we choose to access and reframe that fear mm -hmm. is what will lead us to our own success. But just to give you a quick intro about me, um, just like you guys, I was afraid of investing in multifamily real estate uh, because I saw there's these big numbers and money needed for these deals. But mm -hmm. I decided to overcome my fear about five years ago by investing in myself and attending one of Robert Kiyosaki's mentorship legacy education events. But I was still too afraid to take action. So I didn't know how impactful the community and accountability is mm -hmm. for what you want to do and the goals you want to accomplish. So shortly after I went to work for a big multifamily investment firm for uh, section eight and tax credit properties. And I just wanted to learn how they do it. How can I be a value to them? Uh, so um, affordable housing really is a niche industry, meaning that the majority of people like shy away from these types of opportunities mm -hmm. because they don't know how it operates they don't know how it could be affordable or profitable at the same yes. time or what types of tenants they're going to inherit. So actually, it's one of the most profitable places you can invest your money into in multifamily compared to market rate deals. And I can get into the different strategies of how you can make money through affordable housing a little bit later on. But now I work as an underwriter. I help other sub two students in multifamily community mm -hmm. um, members underwrite deals to see if it's a good deal. And I become part equity owner of those deals. So it's called cash flow for my bike flow because I'm training <laughs> a 
to do Ironman triathlons, um, and I travel a lot, so I've got to be my own sugar mama. <laughs> oh my god, you're a triathlon athlete! Like, what else do you not do, Andrea? Oh my god. Um, well, getting over the fear. <laughs> I know you're getting over. You talked a little bit about your background, but tell us a little bit more about your family because I I imagine that must have had an effect on your psychology and your motivation for getting into the affordable housing. You mentioned your family grew up in affordable housing. Tell us a little bit more about your parents and like maybe just a little bit of the struggles because I think for a lot of people, if you don't grow up in affordable housing, you actually don't understand how much a parents actually have to go through to put food on the table, leaving a country when they don't know any English, right? That seems so scary to me mm -hmm. nowadays. And I don't know, tell us a little bit about your parents. I think that we want to hear a little bit more about that. What's interesting is that you just pivoted right into my next point. My why <laughs> for getting into real estate was to provide a great retirement plan for my immigrant parents mm. um, for not to suffer from generational poverty because yep. I wanted to teach others how to lose this fear of their own success or speaking out and um, you know, actually building an education for themselves and connecting with a community of people that can help you because we're, we're not meant to know it all. Um, but my parents, you know, they're immigrants. They came to this country. I'm first generation, um, mm -hmm. you know, college graduated and everything. And they've provided me with a great um, opportunity to just be born in this country. Um, they, my parents didn't make a lot of money. My mom used to clean houses, still does. And um, right now she's been able to change and pivot her way into getting her first buying her first car. My dad's also retired, but he worked in construction for a long time. So you realize there's, they don't teach financial education to people who come to America. It's big mm -hmm. based on a system to favor people who are business owners. And we feel like we're in control by being employed, but mm -hmm. we have the least amount of control by being an employee and not by controlling the asset, which is multifamily real estate or real estate in general. So I wanted to show my family we can succeed together and, um, you know, just provide a better life for us. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, it's kind of like the story you tell about your parents, like how hard they've had to work. It's just the life that we have. And sometimes I have to remind myself of the problems that we have when we freak out over emails, a little projects, you got to remind yourself like, this problem is nothing compared to what our parents had to go through. It's it literally feels like nothing because they went through so much hardship just to kind of put food on the table, just to give you a great life. And uh, that is so motivating. And I'm, I, I love the story about your parents. Um, so next up is I really want to kind of get into, I understand your motivation, but how did you actually get your foot into the door and how did you get started? Are there any tactical steps you rec recommend taking first? Like how did you end up in a company that, specialized in affordable housing that you like go knock on the doors and say like this is where i can help you like this is my skill set how did you get that process started like I, I think a lot of new people out in real estate investing they want to get started sometimes they just don't know how to but this is such a noble cause and they're like well i really want to help i just wish i can start off with a immediate next step so i can just take the next step right so right. give us some advice <laughs> what, what would you recommend so that next step always starts with a belief in yourself, just overall belief in yourself that you can do this and learn about this and make money from this, that we're worthy enough mm -hmm. to be millionaires or billionaires, whatever your goal is. Um, so my mine started off with just a bunch of real estate education. Uh, like I said in the beginning, mm -hmm. five years ago, I had no money. 
no credit, no credit cards. <laughs> so I went to these education events for real estate, just decided I'm going to invest in me. So mm-hmm. um, I think Sprout Financials, one of these companies, they were able to open up a bunch of credit card lines for me just to be able to buy my $30,000 real estate education. And, you know, I was like, you know, I have to figure this out with my part-time, two part-time jobs I had and going Mm -hmm. to school. Um, You just really have to go all in on you. And then after that, um, I went to work for a commercial real estate investor and I got paid maybe $20 an hour, not a Mm -hmm. lot of money, especially in Los Angeles. But I said, I'm getting paid to learn. And that's how you have to approach it. You're getting paid to learn, or you can go work for someone else that's uh, doing like finding deals and helping them in any way. Maybe it's their assistant, or maybe it's, you know, going to Home Depot and figuring out what are the color schemes available for their, you know, million dollar rehab in Beverly Hills. So Mm -hmm. I had to go through all that to see, all right, I'm going to put my ego aside and learn a industry I don't know anything about. And that's what I did. I went to go work with someone else. But you can do get in real estate in different ways. There's so many ways you can get into real estate mm-hmm. by, um, you know, being a connector, by being a leader, finding deals for other people, calling brokers, maybe being an accountant for. So there's just different ways to do it. Got it. I mean, you you hit on a few things I really want to highlight. I think the mindset one's probably the most important for most folks, right? When you when you grow up in a community where everyone is just taught like, hey, this is the best you're gonna do. You're gonna go to school, go to college, get a good job, have a family, have kids, buy a home, right? And that's kind of like a wrap. You really mm-hmm. had to start surrounding yourself with other people so that you can actually see there's an alternative path. And I think what I've realized in my personal life, and maybe you can speak to this as well, is I think I had to realize that I had to stop convincing my friends to invest in real estate with me. Like I started my path in short-term rentals. And I realized that I just had to just do what I do, get the scrapes and bruises and just kind of chop down the leaves and show that there's another path so that they can decide whether or not they want to do it instead of telling them, like, hey, this is what you need to do right now. Like, have you had any of those experiences with your friends, like kind of growing you had up? It like- completely, <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, you can't convince your family or friends to do what you want to do. You have to be so passionate and obsessed mm-hmm. with your own success, with your own journey and your own love of, you know, how you can be better for other people. But it starts with you. And um, the way that you do that is by obviously surrounding yourself with people who are interested in the field that you're into or better influences. I've hired coaches. I've hired mentors. Mm-hmm. I think I've spent close to a hundred grand in my own education, wow. with mentors, mm-hmm. coaches, um, people who can bring me closer to my own goals because you can't do it all on your own. You could probably get some stuff from YouTube or, (laughs) but it really is the influences of your life. Like I've had friends who I've had for 10, 15 years and I would, I do time block, spend time with them. But at the end of the day, I do need to surround myself with Mm -hmm. um, individuals who are making money in real estate or who are not even in real estate, even private money lenders who are in other industries, you're providing them with that opportunity to be in your deal. So it's just surrounding yourself with those groups and not being afraid to tell people what you do. I I love that. And I really want to highlight another point where you said you offer to help someone like run to Home Depot, just take care of the problems that will provide value to someone just by giving their time back, right? So 
how did you find your skill set in underwriting? Like, did you did you study accounting? Did you study numbers or finance? Like, how did you how did you fall into that special skill set and start? People started realizing, like, oh, Andrea is the person to help me underwrite multifamily properties. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I was actually going to touch on the difficulties of investing here because my own personal difficulties of investing is finding mm -hmm. the right people and the mentors, property managers, mm -hmm. even lenders to be able to educate you on the mm -hmm. ways in which Section 8 or tax credit properties can generate income and mm -hmm. how you can use that for your underwriting. Um, so nobody taught me, really. I just had mentors that would show me here and there how a performer mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of have to piece the puzzles together with other yes. people. Ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask, hey, you know, what's the debt service coverage ratio? How mm -hmm. much do you usually anticipate in management fees? What is, you know, these just these little questions about um, how you can underwrite. And then you do examples and you can run those pro forma examples with somebody else. So you have, you know, you, you can partner with other people to see if you can yep. review deals with them. And when you start off, nobody wants to work with you if you just want to learn. <laughs> you have to provide value. I mean, I provide value by doing mm -hmm. one thing at a time, learning mm -hmm. one thing at a time, like how do I run a construction budget, submitting draws for the lender for project funding. You know, you review rent comparability studies, mm -hmm. there's one environmental reports, property condition reports. I mean, the list goes on. So wow. it's just knowing learning one thing at a time. And then from there, feel confidence enough to do your own underwriting and then run that by someone else. I love that. And I love that you are not afraid to ask the questions. I think every so every so often we hear people like, if I just learned this, if I read another book, then I'll get started, right? But you, you have clearly demonstrated like, hey, as long as it gets started, I'll probably figure it out. And you're willing to ask those questions. So you're able to educate yourself. Like, I just want to call highlight that point that not only did you spend the money on education, on investing yourself, on the mentors, but you also had to combine that with action. And you also had to ask the right questions to get the answers that you wanted, right? Um, it's not, people got to stop expecting things when we get handed to you. You have to kind of go out there and look for it. Right. When people hear the word um, passive investment, <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest joke for me, because when you hear I'm a passive multi-real estate investor, in the beginning, you're really not going to be passive unless you're a lender. But even as a lender, mm -hmm. you want to know, am I putting parking my money in a deal? And what is a deal? You know, so what are my target uh, cash on cash returns mm -hmm. for the year? Am I going to get a... a internal rate of return of maybe 12, 15, 17%, you know, mm -hmm. what's my equity multiple over a couple of years? Yeah. Is my money going to double in five years? Is it going to mm -hmm. triple in 10 years? And just knowing overall, like the cap rate is not the end all be all, you know, so it's seeing what is going to be my exit strategy here, but it's for sure knowing your numbers. I love that. I, so we talked a little bit about the financial rewards, right? Tell us a little bit about how do you feel about being in affordable housing section? Like what are the emotional rewards? Like you must feel awesome helping so many people. Like tell us some stories of like the people that you're able to, able to provide housing for, like any sort of stores will be welcomed. Um, anything you can share about like how many people you've helped or just the type of folks that you're able to kind of give an opportunity to, and especially to kids, right? The kids are the most innocent folks and they're the ones that absolutely deserve an opportunity at life. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
So the, the company I've worked with for a while, they started their own foundation. They had about two foundations. One of them mm-hmm. is called Change Reaction, and another one was a company that basically provides um, schooling and school supplies for children or scholars. Mm-hmm. And then they have their own, also another foundation. So with multifamily investing in affordable housing, you can, with the money you generate in that field, and it's substantial amount of money you can generate, you can open up your own foundation. You can go about it where you're providing the, that affordable housing to, um, or even tax credit housing to someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if your viewers are familiar with the Section 8 um, housing voucher program, but basically like um, with that voucher, that tenant is able to go to different projects and say, hey, I want to live here. But once they're approved in that program, then the maximum amount of rent that they can be charged is up to 30% of their um, their income. So they're able to use that extra income to mm-hmm. provide for their family and their, fr- you know, just living expenses in general. And, um, you know, affordability is a huge issue these days. Like if we can be able, my own personal stories is that I've helped out with a lot of the construction Mm -hmm. and the the budgeting and just seeing the overall before and after of these properties. And we can Mm -hmm. improve the quality of life by renovating these, you know, really old buildings and making them into like class A beautiful housing with stainless steel appliances, mm-hmm. uh, granite countertops, maybe a service coordinator who can help out with the community garden and programs for senior citizens. Like there's so much you can do with um, affordable housing, not just for children, um, mm-hmm. families, but also elderly people. There's You're creating that safe space for someone to live in and to have the government along with your own investors Mm -hmm. provide that opportunity to your tenants. Wow. I I mean, you talked about providing a class A experience or class A property for these families. You're literally changing their lives, right? By giving them this opportunity because what's the stereotype, right? The stereotype about section A is like, hey, I'm inviting problems, inviting drama, inviting drugs to gangs into my home. And that's really not the case. There's a lot of great people in this world that are simply just trying to make it. They're trying to save a little bit more penny, like save another penny to put their kids through college, right? That's really what they're working for. So I want to kind of come to the next point, right? You guys have done a, a beautiful job renovating all these properties, right? Like an amazing experience. It's definitely, you guys are not slumlords. So have you found that by providing an amazing product, so to speak, like amazing renovated house, have you seen folks that are how was it like higher quality tenants coming to your home where they don't cause a lot of problems have you seen anything correlation between the quality of renovations and the quality for tenants you know it's interesting you say that we actually retain the majority of our tenants that wow. are in these properties that we've renovated but they feel that sense of responsibility to upkeep mm-hmm. what we've renovated for the most part Again, it's knowing that you're working with the right property manager who has Section 8 or tax credit property experience and knows how to screen these tenants. They are able to give you feedback on what types of, um, let's say, a security system to improve on. If there's going to be fob access, patrol cars, you know, camera systems. So there's like all these ways in which you can um, allocate in your reserve budget for these types mm-hmm. of expenses. So you can upkeep the security of these properties and also mm-hmm. know if there's vandalism, how you can, mm-hmm. you know, how you can tag back to that. 
and just being able to have that contingency plan. But typically the types of tenants in section eight, it can range from anywhere between someone severely mentally ill to someone who Mm -hmm. is having a thriving business, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatnot, but it's just at that same level, you need to understand that there can be safeguards in place where you can allocate Mm -hmm. in your underwriting for a service coordinator, um, maybe a, you know, two maintenance managers, one property manager, just depends on how many units you're investing in, because usually if it's 50 units or less, it would require one property manager, one maintenance manager. But after that, it's usually every hundred units requires a property manager and a maintenance manager for every couple hundred units. So it's just knowing how to allocate for that in your budget and knowing um, what you can expect. And it's good to talk to other property managers to see what they've Mm -hmm. encountered in that um, position that you're in. Wow. So I need need to call this out for people because you just highlighted you just overcame a big objection for so many people where people have that fear of like causing problems. Right. But you literally dissected that problem and you showed that, Hey, with the right information, we can allocate in a budget to, to mitigate this risk. Right. That's really what your job is to protect people's investment and mitigate the risk. And you've been able to use your experience and asking the right questions again to your property managers, put in the right safeguards in place so that you can minimize the problem and make sure like the livelihoods of everybody on the, in your apartment buildings don't get affected. Like I just had right. to call that out because I don't want people to miss that because what fear comes from is from a lack of information and you overcame that lack of information by simply asking the right questions and then budgeting for it. Wow. You I, definitely I, I'm have so to impressed. because you never know. <laughs> you have to overcome those fears because I'm telling you, being an employee, not just not having multiple streams of income is the biggest source mm. of insecurity you will ever have. We are not in a secure environment. 30% or more of our taxes are going to the government if you're an employee. You know, if you want to be a real estate investor, you have appreciation. It's forced appreciation with how much value you're creating. Mm -hmm. You're getting cash flow. You're getting uh, tax Mm -hmm. benefits, breaks. Um, There's depreciation for the, um, the, you know, the items on site. So it's just there's so many ways in which you can make it attractive to an investor to be able to lend you money. And it's yeah. not only that with affordable housing, I actually emphasize that there's just so many ways, more ways you can make money because it is affordable housing. You can increase the rents by doing mm-hmm. what's called an auto OCAF, and it's a maximum mm-hmm. percent increase per year. A rent comparability study, which usually is done every five years to maximally increase the rents to what's at the market rate level. And then you can do other things like extra fees such as to the tenants like pet fees application laundry vending mm-hmm. utility reimbursements bad debt collections late fees there's also cable contracts you can put in place from a third party wow. provider to give you more income mm-hmm. the third way um, is you can convert the property to a tax credit syndication meaning that you provide your investors with other tax credits and write-offs and it's providing more uh, of an ability for you to be able to provide that type of beautiful housing and to your tenants. But of course, they have to meet certain income restrictions. Mm-hmm. And then you could also partner with a uh, nonprofit who's fo- focused on affordable housing and can provide you with those tax exemptions for the property taxes by becoming a lender for the subordinate loan. You can refinance the deal and then you can also sell it for more than what you bought it for. Oh, my God. Like, I think you just dropped so many nuggets uh, for so many people because no, most people in the world don't 
have any idea about these alternative revenue streams and you just kind of fired them off. Like, like, you know, you are truly an expert here. Uh, Andre. <laughs> um, it's incredible how much you actually know. And I, I'm so happy you're sharing and you're so willing and able to share with all these people. I think this speaks to how much of a go-giver you are. And I can just tell like why you've been so successful. You, you don't hold anything back. You have a heart that you're truly trying to give. And I think that's why people have been so receptive and like, and, and they like, they trust and they respect you so that, that that's why they invest with you. Right. I'm assuming. So I want to kind of come into the next step about like raising private capital. Like how have you been able to raise this private capital and kind of scale it? Do you actually raise the capital by project? Do you just establish a general fund that says like, Hey, we're looking for this type of asset. And when we find it, we'll turn to affordable housing. How do you speak to your investors about what your, goals are and how do you raise capital can you shed a little bit of light on on that process usually when i talk to prospective um, private money lenders i let them know um you know you can expect double digit returns backed by mm -hmm. healthy returns backed by real estate and just ask me how we can do this and usually what happens is that um i have certain people that i've worked with to provide um loans or even just their own investment. But when it comes to a syndicated deal, it's usually like mm -hmm. 50 units or more. Mm -hmm. You have to hire what's an SEC attorney and you're starting these types of syndications. There's 506B syndications, basically like your buddy, like somebody who you've already known and they say, hey, yeah, I want to invest with you. But then you can also start what's called a 506C type of a syndication, which is where um, that syndication lawyer, you know, we work with a broker and then they basically establish what's like a landing page for you guys mm -hmm. and a landing page where people can submit and saying like, I think with sub two that he has invest with pace. That's an yes, example. He does. Yep. So invest with pace. I'm sure he worked with a syndication attorney, his lawyer, you know, his broker to be able to provide that landing page so that he's creating that pre-existing relationship with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a trust factor right there. He already has that existing relationship by saying, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Facebook. And that's amazing that he's doing that because you're ethically sourcing um, deals. And that way you can keep track of your investors like that. And then any opportunity you get to talk to really any people that you meet and just let them know what you do. I help people obtain healthy returns through backed by real estate through sit multifamily mm -hmm. real estate. And these assets are very mm -hmm. much very much in demand especially right now if it's affordable housing we are entering into a recession <laughs> there's no light way to put it like we're already there and so early part of next year we're going to see that um people are going to be scrambling to find affordable housing they're not going to know how to be able to pay for their bills mm -hmm. how to be able to pay for their rent so it's good to know like okay let me see how i can maneuver my way to get into affordable housing or any apartment because housing prices have skyrocketed. Interest rates are at their highest at this point and there will be a dip off, but um, the best way you can hedge your bet is through real estate. And so you're, you know, really there's no other investment vehicle that can provide these types of returns. And that's yeah. the way that we usually do it. And I think you've been able to convince a lot of people, like I think having a recession proof investment, knowing that the government is going to pay on time in full, at least their portion of the rent every month, that really puts a lot of investors at ease. And I think you guys are in a great position that 
you guys have shown a demonstrated track record of success and turning around properties and making them into beautiful properties, right? Like you guys must have gotten attention of the governments, right? Like looking at what you guys are doing. Can you guys talk a little bit about the partnerships that and the relationship you guys have had to make with the government to show like, hey, we are the real deal. We're help. We're here to help solve a problem for the city. Like, have you had those conversations with the government? And like, how do they view what you guys are doing? You know, it's interesting. I actually haven't had those conversations with the oh, government. Wow, really? or with, okay. with those, you know, we have someone else on our team that is able to do that. But just to give you a quick synopsis of what he does, usually when you have a real estate team, one of the difficulties in real estate is finding the right team. You know, mm-hmm. it's... it's having the right relationships so that it can bring you the target deals you're looking for. If it's seller finance or creatively or conventional loan deals, it's like, how do you foster and balance those relationships? And that could include like your partners, your lenders, your equity Mm -hmm. investors, management team, compliance teams, your general contractor, nonprofit organizations, and especially the, you know, the Mm -hmm. county and the government and how you foster those relationships Um, and who's bringing you the deals. Like, is it the broker, the title companies, direct to seller, and then people who can help you sell or refinance the deals like the lawyer or the accounting team? All these people work together to be able to help you build that good relationship with the government just by the types of deals you're executing. So I'll give you an example. Whenever we execute what's called a markup to market in rents, which is it could be at any point when we're choosing to do a chapter 15, 15 uh, markup to market in rents. With a chapter 15 submitting to HUD, we have to propose, um, we have to engage a rent comparability study to see what, what could the market rates be at, what is as is with what the current property looks like and what could be as rehab. So we're planning to rehab the property to make it like that class eight property that we were discussing. And then when we're submitting that package to HUD, we basically say, all right, this is a track record of the photos and our experience that we've provided with, with our previous mm-hmm. projects. If you don't have any previous projects, that's fine. At least you can leverage the relationships of your team to mm-hmm. be able to say, this is what they've done. This is our tenant relocation plan, our construction budget, you know, and then this is how we plan to increase the rents based on that rent comparability study. And then, Obviously, you're engaging other reports like a phase one environmental or property condition yep. report. But basically, you're making sure that you're leveraging and also working with those other relationships to create a nice package to HUD and then have that great connection with, you know, your account executive or your contract specialist. Those are the two people you work with to submit those types of packages to so that you can have that really healthy rent increase to support your rehab. Wow, that that's a very intensive process, right? And I think to kind of break it down for folks, like they just got to take it one step at a time. And maybe it just starts by helping, like you said, like learning about the environmental study and just taking it step by step because you are clearly an expert. You have like just fired off again, all those different steps. And, you know, for you to learn so much and know so much right now, Andrea, like what, what sort of, you must have made some mistakes along your investment journey. Can you tell us a little bit any sort of like mistakes you've made so that other folks can also learn from you as well? Anything you can share there? Biggest tip for sure. Please double check your work. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mistake. And I will admit it. You know, my biggest mistakes with my team because they're a very tight knit group. And it was mm-hmm. so weird for them to see an outsider come in who barely knows anything about affordable housing 
I was just willing to learn and help out. Mm -hmm. So obviously there is some office politics and issues we would face. And, you know, I'm very much a no nonsense person. If you have an issue with me, tell me to my face or tell me, I walked in and I closed the door and I said, Hey, I heard that this was said about me, but I, I want to know how I can improve so I can help you Mm -hmm. guys out. Cause how else can we establish a trusting relationship if I don't know what I'm doing wrong, you know? So obviously I had issues with like, you know, everyone has a different communication style. Some people Mm want to, you know, when they, you, they send you an email, they want to know, Hey, did you get my email? And so you have to respond immediately or, it's mostly honestly the relationships that were the hardest part and the communication factor. But then after that, once you have great communication and relationships with people, they're not afraid to walk you through how they're doing deals, the questions you have Mm -hmm. on how to underwrite the numbers, but it's really just like spending the time to foster those relationships and just talk to people and say, Hey, is this the way you do it? Right. Or just Mm -hmm. double check your work. (laughs) Got it. I mean, that's great advice. And I think people don't speak to it enough. Like you don't in college, you don't really get taught how to deal with people, right? Like you might have a communication, <laughs> yeah. but you, you don't really learn about, hey, there are a thousand different personalities and not everyone's going to talk the same way you're going to do, do the work the same way you do. So you have to have, and I think you highlight this real, you had always positive intent when you approached that conversation. And I think that was probably why I was so well received. Like they knew you were trying to improve. They probably knew that you were new because you were trying to learn, but you weren't afraid to own up to your mistakes and actually change something about you. So you actually show that you learn from your mistakes by taking the action. Yeah, definitely know how people like to communicate with you, Mm -hmm. establish communication, like boundaries and, or just say, Hey, if you want my help, this is when I'm available. This is when I'm going to get it to you by And it's so crucial for real estate that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. You know, if you fall behind, it doesn't matter. Like right now I'm going through a lot of issues personally in my finance, in like my personal life with my father Mm -hmm. having stage four cancer, but I'm really trying to be there for people and really be authentic with my, what's going on with me and basically still allowing myself to show up at work and show up for other people and just let them know, Hey, I, if I can't pick up the slack, I need someone else to help me do it, right? Yeah, and knowing that you're growing through something something so hard and so difficult with your dad going and going through cancer, I mean, you know, that must be so hard on you and that must take a lot of time. And you, yet you're still out there helping people and he must be so proud of you, Andrea. Like, <laughs> like oh, that, thank you. he must be so proud of you. Like you are literally- Your parents as well. I mean, you're helping thousands and thousands of people. And obviously, I'm trying to get to your level, right? I'm trying to learn how you do it because for me personally, I used to be an EMT and that's my story. I I used to make like $12 an hour and answering 911 calls, doing CPR on people. And I finally realized I was helping too little, too little people at a time, but also I couldn't stay in that job. It was such a giving job. But at $12 an hour, how can I pay for rent? How can I keep my keep my kids in a good school? And I eventually had to leave. And there was such a big problem in in public service where think about like social workers, like people that are in such giving professions, but they are never actually offered to help. Like who's there helping the people that are helping people, right? And, you know, for me, my personal mission is like trying to make sure we provide affordable housing for like social workers, nonprofits and EMTs, because, you know, let's just say we have a thousand of them and they help like one person an hour working eight hours a day. Like we could be waking up every day helping 8,000 people and those 8,000 is going to help another 8,000 and the small world of ours, they're going to help our kids. 
our grandkids, our great grandkids, we're not here anymore. And that to me, that's my true passion. That's why I'm doing this every day. And that's why I'm putting myself out there trying to meet folks like you who are able to do this because everyone has told me this is impossible to scale. This And you and your team have done 1,700 units. So it's not impossible. It just takes a lot of work and a great team to kind of to kind of make it happen. Um, right. I just want to say like your story is amazing. And you're right. So many people are trying to figure out with these jobs that they're passionate about, like, how can I make money to make my dreams come true and support my family? But it, at the end of the day, it's, it's really tough to answer those questions when you're stuck at a job and you're like, oh, my God, I don't know how I can produce more money and more opportunities for mm -hmm. myself. But I will say, you know, it's um, it's something that uh, it should not be taken lightly, your own mm -hmm. success. No one's going to care about your success as much yes. as you will. And nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. You know, that's, that's so the good. thing. That is the best advice I got from my seven years working in the health food industry. It's like nobody's going to care what you're selling what your service you're providing, how you can add value until they know how much you care about them. Like mm -hmm. I have to show up to my work all the time and say, Hey guys, like let's celebrate your birthdays. Let's figure out like what's going on with you. Are you okay? You know, it's those relationships that you have to continually build on. And after that, you know, everything else kind of merges itself together. There is a lot to know in multifamily mm -hmm. for sure, but you don't have to know it all. You just have to group yourself with the right people. At the moment, um, I'm looking to expand my team because got it. 1,700 units, those are all under my ownership, but I'm mm -hmm. building a team in the next couple of weeks to see who got I it. can work with that can source me deals, who, who I can work at with an attorney, a broker, and um, somebody who can help me dispo these deals as well. So um, it's usually 40 plus units or more, class B or C types of properties between 19 60 to 2000. That's my target mm -hmm. range of what types of properties I'm looking for, because um, I've worked with properties that are prior to 1970s and they have issues with either lead based paint, asbestos, more dilapidated. But it's just like I said, it's knowing how to underwrite for those types of deals and what you can account for, because in affordable housing, I will say um, the best way that you you can be able to anticipate your own success is knowing if it's a good deal. Like we said mm -hmm. before, it's a good deal. Is it making enough income? And with affordable housing, like, or tax credit properties, the way that you can make sure it's making enough money is with increasing the rents, the fees. It's also really important to understand what kind of uh, agreements are in place at the property. There, it has what's called a LURA, Land Use Restriction Agreement, there's also LIHTC regulatory agreements, there's use agreements, and all these types of agreements. If you work with the proper team to tell you how you can disseminate the information, they tell you what are the income restrictions that your tenants have to abide by, or what are the percentage of units that are allocated for that Section 8 HAP contract. Mm -hmm. um, so it's knowing, all right, it really shouldn't be so much more different or scary than a market rate deal because you know, all right, well, maximum amount of rent we can charge is this much. And then this is the average income of the tenants that we're, we're having our management team source for us. So it's being able to work with that and understand what you're getting yourself into. Oh, I love that. Um, I mean, 
All right. So, I mean, you, you kind of led me right to the end. You talked about exactly what you need. Under where else can people find more about you? How can they get in touch with you, especially if they want to join your team and help you out? <laughs> they can always reach out to me on my Instagram handle. It's at Andrea Garcia, R-E-I. And then I also have my LinkedIn. That's the same way. My Facebook, you know, facebook.com, Andrea Garcia, R-E-I. So you guys can reach out to me through social media. I'm also um, at the moment building a landing page with my, um, you know, I'm getting an SEC attorney and we're basically starting these deals. But honestly, the best way I've been able to work my way into deals is just by providing value, mm -hmm. being a team member. And then now I'm more working on the GP side to raise money for these deals and to be able to underwrite them and help people out with their journey, especially with affordable housing. It's quite a bit to navigate, but I, I'm here available for questions if you have some. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Andre, you have shared so much information. I hope we can have you back on the show eventually at some point, just to kind of see, like I can see the trajectory just continue exponentially for you. So I'm really excited to kind of see what's next in store for you. And thank you so much on behalf of listeners. Like, thank you for sharing so much advice and your story is amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Nice. Thank you guys. Woo! It was a great time I had on here. I love I it. Bringing me on and Let's make some deals together. I'm excited. All right. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. All right. Let me end the process.